0: This is Joshua Bell with The Kilt and the Cloth. This sermon was from July 3rd, preached by one of my lifelong friends, Reverend Michael Davison. I cannot begin to tell you how awesome it was to have him be able to preach uh, while I was gone, Uh, and I just hope you all enjoy. God bless. I'd like to introduce Reverend Michael Davison. Galatians, a letter from Paul to the church. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For of those who For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work. Then that work, rather than a neighbor's work, will become the cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh, but if you sow into the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those in the family of faith. See what large letters I make when I'm writing this in my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh as they try to compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which, for the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow this rule, peace be upon them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. From now on, Let no one make trouble for me, for I carry the marks of Jesus branded on my body. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Uh, Disciples in Perry, here in person and in the digital sanctuary, may God's shalom be with us all. Have you ever wondered how ministers come and prepare for the preaching moment, prepare for the sermon? Ministers do that over years, honing their work through their service. In the beginning, one might borrow a process as an example. I've known ministers 10 or more years into ministry that change their process and sometimes their entire preaching style for reasons that are not connected to feedback from the pastoral relations committee or comments that people provide on their way out the door on Sunday. Even those preachers that appear to speak contemporaneously have done some study of the text. They've thought for a moment about the time in which we're living and they've spent time in prayer. Maybe you already know about Josh's process for preparing for the preaching moment. But if not, you should ask him about it when he comes back. He won't be expecting that from any of you. Now I call it the preaching moment because just like church camp, where everything is part of the curriculum, no matter what's written in the small group notes, everything in worship is part of the sermon, the prayers, the hymns, the rituals, all that is the sermon. So my process to prepare for the preaching moment includes study of traditional and non-traditional sources of commentaries, background materials, and any textual notes in the Bible where ancient sources from the original text may use different words or left out a word here, added a word there. I read the text on either side of the scripture for that day, listening for context clues that might help discover applicable ideas for our time in history. I think about what's happening in the world around us, in my community, in the community where I'm going to be preaching that Sunday. I spend time in silence with the text. Some might call it prayer. I think about what I would say to children about this text. I read sermons to see what others thought was important, odd, enlightening, comforting, or challenging about a text. And then I remember that I'm a sibling in faith. I'm that family member that has moved away and been away for some time that you only see not very often, once or twice, maybe a year, or maybe once a year at that. I don't know everything that's going on in this community or what's happening in everyone's lives in this congregation, so I choose my words carefully. I remember that I'm a guest preacher, so many may join the minister in taking a Sunday off. Thank you for being here. My preaching professor, Reverend Dr. Joey Jeter, would tell students, do your best to say a good word for Jesus. Some sermons are going to be harder than others to do that. And then I remember that every text is not explicit good news, and nor does every text have anything to do with Jesus of Nazareth. So all of that works together to distill an idea, a direction from which I'll create a title thought for the preaching moment. And so with that and my study notes in hand, bye. Start writing some words. Here are the title thoughts that I didn't choose for today. Remember, think about the scripture we just heard. Called out by Paul, then and now. Test your own work. Don't be deceived. Everything old, new again. Becoming a new creation over and over and over again. Paul's pointed questions for the church. How can you be this easily deceived? I settled on a new creation is everything. I bear the greetings, prayers, and gratitude of your siblings in faith all around the region of Oklahoma. Thank you for being a voice of gospel from this corner of Perry. Thank you for gifting your minister time away. It's really needed and necessary for all clergy to have time away with family or time for study. Thank you for gifting Sarah's time to the region at church camp last month as a counselor at Cairo camp and a director of junior camp. And thank you for sending the most campers to camp from any disciple congregation in our region. That's right, you can applaud that if you wish. You are an important part of the covenant of this region. So if you're visiting today in person or in the digital sanctuary, or if you're returning here to worship from some time being away, or maybe you're just trying religion again, I wanna invite you to come back and hear this congregation's minister, Reverend Joshua Bell, preach the good news of God. And don't just come back and consume worship or religion, get involved in this congregation's witness of the good news of God and remember that the Lord's mercies never cease. Remember that the Lord's mercies are new every morning and that the Lord's faithfulness extends beyond our ability to see in a mirror dimly or recognize the face of God in someone else or in our own image. So as you are willing and your spirit is able, please join me in prayer. Open our ears and our hearts, O oh God, that our meditations, words, and living are a reflection of our faith in you, who creates, who redeems, and who sustains creation and our lives. Amen. All right, buckle up, church. Here we go. A new creation is everything. Everything. When Jesus is too much parable, too radical, or too much the Son of God, we better call Paul. So here's some background about Galatians that might be helpful. In the book, Evolution of the Word, Dr. Marcus Borg creates a chronological order of the New Testament. In our Bible, the New Testament begins with the Gospels. These are three different narratives of the life and times of Jesus of Nazareth and John, which is more a blend of theological reader for advanced Christians and a little bit of narrative about Jesus. The Gospels were written long after Paul and others began telling their stories about Jesus throughout the Roman Empire in the Gentile and Jewish communities. In movie terms, the Gospels are a prequel. The backstory about who Jesus of Nazareth is and the later writings of Paul, those attributed to Paul's name and his style of writing but aren't genuinely written by Paul, those could be thought of as fan fiction. Maybe those writers were disciples of Paul who continued his work after his death. In Borg's chronology, 1 Thessalonians opens the New Testament and Galatians follows. The other genuine letters of Paul that scholarship decides or has decided are the genuine letters of Paul are 1 Corinthians, Philemon, Philippians, 2 Corinthians, and Romans. All of these were written between 50 and 60 of the common era. The first gospel, Mark, Mark doesn't appear until sometime during the 70s of the Common Era. The Christ communities that Paul helped organize are primarily in urban centers in the Roman Empire and primarily Gentile. That's all of us, Gentile communities. A genuine letter of Paul typically addresses a conflict that Paul has heard about through letter or word of mouth, and it has a structure an opening greeting and admonishing and correcting of what ails your community, words of encouragement and a parting blessing. It's not preaching, it's personal. They are answers from a mentor who has received a question from people he knows, or at least he thinks he knew as they navigate life as a follower of Christ Jesus. Paul's letters were not meant to end up as sacred text for the public consumption, but there are some ideas, theology, and questions for all Christ communities to consider. So this morning we read Paul wraps up his pointed letter to the Galatians and all of us, He offers Christians several questions for reflection about congregational life and individual freedom. The questions are relevant today. And they're important questions for the covenantal relationships of the church of our denomination, congregations, regions, and general units that are the Christian church disciples of Christ. And so right there, there near the end of the letter, Paul gives Christ communities ways to recalibrate our compass for finding our way back to being Christ-like when we stray. Here are the questions. How do we bear one another's burdens? How often do we test our own work, our own theology, our politics, our financial decisions, our practice of Christianity, How often do we test our own work before testing that of others, before pronouncing others wrong and ourselves right? How do we balance the equality, neither Jew nor Greek, and the democratic hierarchy of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in our consumer-driven society that recognizes freedom of religion and freedom from religion Do you suppose there's anything about our worship, practice of Christianity, discipleship, or theology that mocks God? How do Christians respond when weariness comes? Now any of those questions are a sermon in waiting. Any one of these can help us realize a new creation is everything. If you've been around Christianity or the church a while, you may have even heard a sermon or participated in a sermon about one of these questions and may not have even known it. What Paul does is he takes this centuries old argument within Christianity and he gives it a voice in Galatians. Is it faith or works that brings about salvation? Which is the most important, or is it some kind of blend of the two? And after argument and counter-argument and argument again, Paul drills down on his thesis and confronts the community then and now. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. In our context, that could sound like this. Neither independent, Republican, Democrat is anything, but a new creation is everything. Christians, we Christians talk about becoming a new creation in the waters of baptism. We die and rise with Christ, our old self. of Christian witness thinks of baptism as an outward sign of an inward expression, a decision that someone wants to be a follower of Jesus and we welcome them into the community of faith, baptism. I wonder if Paul is saying a new creation is everything because it's something you do rather than something you are. I think Paul would say that over time you can recognize a new creation by the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control a person embodies beyond their safe community and beyond themselves for the good of all. At the end of chapter 5, He calls those the fruits of the Spirit. Now that may be too difficult, too confessional, or too subjective. And so we typically focus on the phrase, you reap what you sow. But it's rarely ever used to instruct. Paul uses it here with a tone of warning. And often the phrase is hurled at someone as a way of saying, told you so. It's used in subtle and overt ways to blame the victim rightly or wrongly for the way life has turned out or for choices that have negative consequences. So here are two thoughts to consider. Search your own experience and observations of the world. If you reap what you sow, if that phrase has universal truth, There sure is a whole lot of evidence of injustice in the world that contradicts it. And second, if this phrase holds some kind of universal truth, I think it is about the intent rather than the result of consequences or good or bad choices. There is this one's pattern of behavior that tells a story more clearly than what they espouse, the idea of big government they prefer, the name of God they worship, the team they root for on any given Sunday, or the person they love. Maybe this is where the phrase, you reap what you sow, has some some instructive value. I often tell children and youth that the hardest thing about being a follower of Jesus is doing what is right just because it's right. Doing what is right in our culture is often driven by fear, guilt, or profit motive rather than a response to being a part of a community. It's hard for secular and religious communities. It was in Jesus' time. It was in Paul's time and it is here in our own. A new creation is everything. It reflects and judges itself daily on the two lists, the fruits of the Spirit and these questions from the text today. It's Paul's way of saying followers of Jesus do the things that Jesus did every day. And remember that takes risk. And Paul has the physical and mental scars to prove it. My guess is some of us sitting here do as well. It reminds me it reminds me of this story from a book The Magic Monastery. The person says, I had just one desire, to give myself completely to God. So I headed for the monastery an old monk greeted me and asked me what is it you want and so i said i i just want to give myself completely to god now i expected the old monk to be gentle and fatherly but instead he shouted at me now i was stunned he shouted again now And then he reached for a stick and came towards me with the stick and I I turned and ran. And he kept coming after me, brandishing his stick and shouting, now, now. That was years ago. He still follows me everywhere that I go. Always that stick. Always that now. A new creation is everything. When weariness comes, and it will, weariness can take many forms. It can be physical, it can be emotional, it can be spiritual. Weariness can isolate and radicalize. Weariness can create dark night of the soul moments for individuals and for communities. When weariness comes, and it will, It's vital that we not accept the easy answer, the temptation, or the deception. Instead, remember. Remember the first time that God was real in your life. Think back to that moment. Soak up that presence and that grace. And then remember to love your neighbors yourself. A new creation is everything. When I think about that, I remember the lyrics of an old, old camp song that we sang when I was a camper back in the 70s and the 80s. It was called, We're a Rainbow. Here are the lyrics. There are many colors in a rainbow, all bound up together as one. They are a promise of tomorrow, a hope for all the days to come. We are all children of that promise made for the whole world round. Whenever love brings us together, a rainbow can be found. In the chorus, we're a rainbow, together we're a sign. We're a rainbow to live for humankind. We're a rainbow, it's time for us to shine. We're a rainbow. Disciples, siblings in faith in Perry. There is ministry to do and gospel to be from this corner of Perry that only you can do and only you can be. You're a new creation and that's everything. Go be it out there.